love. So there you go. Yeah, so... Wow. Sorry. Whose phone is that? That was just my alert, alert to say that I said something good. <laughs> <laughs> we need a little chime, Ethan. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We can trigger a little chime every time someone says something good. <laughs> the oh. word, the word. Oh. And so how do we do that in practice? I have the exact yeah. answer. Okay. Kevin's <laughs> got it. Perfect. Everybody, you're welcome. Vote the comments. Are you, you ready? ready? I'm just going to say it. Okay. Star Trek. <laughs> what? <laughs> What does that even mean? All right, wait, okay. Wait. Just think about it, though, for a minute. Just think? <laughs> Star Trek. All right, I'm sorry that I made you think about that. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about tonight, gents? <laughs> are we ready to move into the content? Let's, let's, you know what? You know what, John Mark? Let's do, do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's oh, man, that. I hear my dog barking Is in the background. The dog? There must be a human on the sidewalk somewhere. The dog's up there saying, I want to go downstairs and lick John Mark's radius. feet. And this is Every the men's show, so it's Nick, weird. of course, has the manliest dog ever, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it's this big. This massive. Big. It's a huge mastiff. It's nope. crazy. <laughs> nope. It is a small little Pomeranian It's like this Fifi. much body Fifi's and like that much hair. Is like that's, that's kind of how the dog That's is. accurate. All right, so who's introducing the first topic today? I will. I'm also trying to pull the chat up here so that I can make sure I'm reading comments Please, and you stuff. you want a cigar? Uh, oh, yes. You please. know what? Light up, gentlemen. I don't have a cigar for you. Oh. It's okay because I don't do it. Oh, well. Be that way. Sorry. Uh, all right. I probably shouldn't so I, introduce any of the topics. You shouldn't? Being I don't have a strong command of any of them or what they are. It's okay. <laughs> well, you can be on my side of the table. because A reminder. Right a reminder. Okay, what is the men's show? We're not here speaking as experts. We're obviously not experts here. But what we're trying to do is exemplify and practice the art of good, virtuous, manly conversation. Mm. And that's precisely talking about things sometimes that you're not an expert on and not acting like you're an expert. Yeah. But trying to seek truth together mm-hmm. and Love trying to, to get better perspective, trying to see if we can we can carry it a little bit further and leave uh, a little bit better men than we were before the conversation. I've literally never loved anything you said more than this moment. Dude, I'm feeling it right back at you. Yes. Cool. I didn't say Got anything. like a chopper guy? That wasn't you? Well, I mean, all right. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> yeah, today, uh, the first topic that we're going to dive into here was inspired by the... Uh, the instigation, shall we say, of the... No, it was just instigated, man. It was, it was instigated. instigated by... There you go. Nailed it. That sounds nefarious. <laughs> the first topic was instigated by the Synod on Synodality. And you might be watching and listening and thinking to yourself, what the frick is Synod or Synodality? Mm. Uh, and uh, these are these are interesting words. John Mark, do you have like the proper definition of the word Synod? No, but... The Bishop of Toledo, our good Bishop, Daniel Thomas. Yes. Raise your glasses to him, Daniel Thomas. Uh, actually explained that a little bit in his document, uh, Leading the Flock, Communion Participation Mission, where he explained, let's see, the very word synod and synodality mean. Simply put, the word synod comes from the Greek word meaning assembly or meeting, and as presented in the International Theological Commission's 2018 document, synodality in the life and mission of the church. Synodality refers to members of the church moving forward in communion with sin, S-Y-N, Christ, and one another along a path, odos, under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Love. So there you go. Yeah, so, wow. Sorry. Whose phone is that? That was just my alert to say that I said something good. <laughs> we need a little chime, Ethan. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We can trigger a little chime every time someone says something good. 
the oh, word, the word. Oh, and don't forget, viewers and listeners, if you want to vote on like who says the best stuff like last time. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, the best. Who has the best words? Who has the who best has words? the best words of all the words? That actually became pretty entertaining. <laughs> Um, all right, so synod on synodality. So a little insulting. Yeah, I yelled at Pete that night. I feel bad about it. Oh, yeah, that's okay. We're brothers. I think you forgave me. I, we our relationship endures. All of all of our relationships. I haven't spoken to Pete since. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Notice how Pete's not here. Um, <clears throat> all right, so the synod on synodality. So one of the things that this has to do with uh, Pope Pope Francis um, indicated that he was concerned about. How much? Uh, how many decisions are made that don't take into account enough of the perspectives or the concerns or even some of the wisdom that some of the laity might have? And so this is kind of a two-year process that's going to help the leadership in our church um, reassess the degree to which laity or non-clergy plays a role in leadership, decision-making, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, John Mark, from the article, is there anything you want to follow up with that? Well, I mean, you said that this was going to be kind of a leaping off point. Yeah, it's, to talk we're about, not talking about the synod. But. About the church and kind of the relationships. And, and so, again, good Bishop Thomas here, our, our pastor, is giving us some direction right off the bat on how we should be thinking even about the synod. And he says, let's see, he gives us something that it, uh, two, two attitudes. Okay, as we embark on such a synodal path in this diocesan preparation phase, Two extremes are to be avoided. On the one hand, the attitude or ideology, which even before any mutual prayer and discernment has decided that it is a waste of time and there can be no worthwhile outcome. That's one extreme. Um, and on the other hand, the attitude or ideology, which even before any mutual prayer and discernment has decided that the results must change the nature and teaching of the church. And even before that, I didn't read the part before that, but before that saying that this is not this is not about the church being democratic. We, we don't have laity and priests getting together to, to vote on issues in the church. That's not what this is about. <clears throat> but it is about that there is kind of a there's, a, there's a term in the church, the census fidei, I think is the, is the term, but the sense of the faithful, the sort of the zeitgeist of the church. And it doesn't mean, again, that the church just moves with the times, but it does mean that part of the living, breathing life of the church is applying the wisdom, applying the principles, applying the doctrines to the new situations of our day. I mean, again, the church has always taught that abortion is wrong, that the human life is valuable, but we've never really had to deal with the specific issues and situations of today. So it's not about coming up with new doctrines or throwing out the old ones, but it's saying, okay, let's apply the old to the new situation. But to do that well, we do have to kind of be in touch with what people are actually going through. And so it would seem to me that that's, if there's going to be something positive out of this, it's the church figuring out how to hold fast to the truth, to the tradition, but um, be more in touch with the actual needs of the people. And specifically in, in terms of, again, the, the, the strategic plan of Vatican II, keeping that in mind, that that, that called all of us to holiness, it, it, or it, it reminded us that we're all called to holiness. So that's what everyone's called to. Are we are we figuring out on the localist level like what's what are the barriers to that? What do we need to do as a church to to pursue that? I'm talking too much. I'm gonna I'll uh, I'll tell you what I do. I post on Facebook and I post on uh, Instagram, and then my job as the lady is done. I've informed <laughs> the people. Now they know the right thing to do, and I'm done. That's Gosh, brilliant. 
You're such so, a gift to the church. You're, Kevin. you're welcome. <laughs> um, so that's what you have to do, right? Yeah. And, and so this is everything you just explained, John Mark, is right on the money. I um, when I first heard about the synod, I actually what? I don't know. No, why are you smirking? Well, I don't know because he knows what you're going to say. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> Prejudging. I was just thinking. Well, I was thinking about the, the. Obviously, there's been jokes made about the synod and synodality. It just even actually the, the 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 beginning of the bishop's document. It's like synod is said like nine times in the first two sentences, which is kind of just kind of funny that you have to say it so much. Yeah. Um, okay. So I sent a message. You asked me. I sent a message to my wife asking yes. her to bring down an ashtray for Robin. She hasn't seen the message yet. The bubble is telling me so. So okay, Google, could you bring down uh, an ashtray, please, my darling? Thank you. I love you. You're amazing and beautiful. Also, smoking is bad for you. You didn't say broadcast. Oh, shoot. Okay, Google, stop. Okay, Google, broadcast. My beloved, could you please bring an ashtray quickly for the cigars that are already lit because we're morons? I love you and you're beautiful. That was even better than the first one. Yeah. Um, That was a good reason. And insulting of your friends. Yes. Well, okay, conglomerately, we all did not think about this. I was being factual. Go go on with your... Go on. Anyways. I I knew the entire time and I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So anyways, um, to the point that you were making, John Mark, which I think you articulated that beautifully. When I first heard about the Synod, um, I was in a context where it was a priest telling his community about it. And there was um, a- an excitement. And I also want to clarify for any of our local viewers and listeners, this was not in our diocese that I observed this. But there was an excitement on the part both of the priest and the people uh, in the congregation listening to him. Um, there was an excitement about the idea of the laity uh, having more authority in our church. Hmm. And so that prompted me to, to use the synod and, and the, the, this, the institution of this two-year process uh, that Pope Francis is taking us on. Um, it, it led me to think this is a conversation worth having in terms of what is the relationship between the laity and the clergy and authority and leadership and uh, you know, I have my own personal views that I don't think are my personal views. I, I feel like I have uh, an understanding of the proper way to look at this. But I, I think that we should talk through this because any of us could be missing some element of this dynamic. Uh, and viewers and listeners, like, you know, whether you're Catholic or Christian, you know, Protestant Christian, um, this is relevant stuff because a lot of Protestants don't understand the dynamics of authority, just like a lot of Catholics don't understand the dynamics of authority in our church uh, and and what our role is in that. So that's why sure. I wanted to bring this. Yeah. It, so authority, right? Yeah. Yeah. It really comes down to that conversation. <laughs> we're, we're, in a, we're in an age that's, that's so suspicious of authority and yet everybody wants it for themselves. I, I once heard somebody say about the Catholic Church. So, I, I mean, I work... I work with non-Catholic Christians who are thinking about becoming Catholic. So we're always talking about these issues of authority. And I don't remember which apologist out there once pointed out that the church is the least authoritative institution in history, which sounds crazy because we're always thinking like, oh, the church is always making rules and the pope is up there. You know? mm-hmm. No, the church is the least authoritative mm-hmm. because the church Thank you so much is very, very – Andrew is going to correct Andrew, me. Oh, what did Andrew get here? Andrew, come on Wait in, man. A brief message from Andrew. Sorry about Anyway. No worries. The, the church is here to preserve and protect, but but very minimally to try to, to try to innovate anything new. 
you know, it's to, it's to protect and preserve the teachings of Christ, the apostolic uh, tradition uh, of the faith, but he, and to apply it. But 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 when people think, oh, I want more authority in the church, they mean they, I want to get in there and do what I want to do. And the, the whole church's point is there to be a steward of what it has. Yeah. It's not the church's job to decide the truth and to distribute it to the people. It's to discern the truth and to discover the truth and to proclaim it. Yeah. It, and, uh, yeah. Well, and, and that it described like that, it's like, well, then that, that to some degree, that is the job of every Catholic is that yeah. part of it. And authority, yeah. like really, we speak with authority when we speak the truth. Hmm. You know, I think that's fundamentally true. Would you say that? Because hmm. when we don't speak with the truth in a very deep sense, we don't speak with authority. But I think that the challenge well, that, with that but is. But then it's, you can't just say, I'm deciding the truth now. Right. Like, what is the truth? It, where, what do we base that on? Because a lot of people, I, I mean, I, I've known a lot of people on both sides of the island, and I don't mean the political aisle, I mean the church aisle. Uh, you know, so like some, aisle. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I've known people who feel uh, very passionate about their like traditional. Uh, uh, approach to faith and i've known people that feel very passionate about their more charismatic approach to faith and then those those aren't even the only two categories but they are kind of presented as though they're juxtaposed often yeah. um which i don't think is fair anyways but uh, i've known people coming from d these different angles that in the passion that they feel for their tradition their their expression of the faith they can very quickly latch on to certain ideas that may or may not be explicitly from the heart of the church or or maybe are are, are too one-dimensional. They aren't reflective enough of like a broader worldview, a broader understanding of what the church is positing. Um, and so, yeah, Kevin, you, you look like you're having thoughts listening to that. I am brand new in the church as well. So I thought through these things. Uh, I just came to the church in, in April and all of these were going through my head at the same time. Um, just to like circle back mm -hmm. to the uh, the Protestant thing real quick. A lot of Protestants don't know that if there's any Protestants watching that your church has an authority. If you're in the Methodist church, if you're in the Lutheran church, they have bishops. Someone is making decisions on what is in your liturgy. So you cannot escape the authority no yeah. matter what you do. And I think that's very important. So if we know that there has to be an authority, it might as well be the church that Jesus founded. And that's why, I be, that's why I became Catholic, because that is the truth. Um, but when we're discerning what is the, you know, me as the, the laity, what am I supposed to do? I think a lot of times the best thing the laity can do is just to be really good moms and dads. Ooh, I yeah. think if you, if you raise a holy Catholic family that images, you know, the actual holy family, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, then you're already doing a really good job. And if we can start there, then all of these other decisions become a lot easier. In some sense, the, the church, people have it upside down when they when they are desiring authority or they're too you know worried over the, the authority. Because again, it, it, when you think of it in the other way around, the, the family or the individuals in community living out the Christian life, that's sort of the peak and pinnacle of the Christian life. The peak and pinnacle of the Christian life isn't like what's happening in a synod or in, in the Vatican, like that's an, an important part of the church. It's necessary. It's part of what, what the Holy Spirit has given us. But that's not where the, the life of the church happens. The life of the church happens in people's homes, in our local parish, in the on our in our neighborhoods where we're actually carrying out our Christian lives. And so again, the church and and her hierarchy and the authority is there 
to preserve and safeguard and, and, and interpret the truth in new and weird ages we find ourselves in. But we, we, we can't get into this thing where we're kind of like turning our, our attention to, to that and getting so worried about it that we're stopping living the actual Christian life, which that mm-hmm. is our business. That mm-hmm. is the business of the lady is to actually carry out the life of the church. I love that. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, you got some props in the comments for your comments. And hey, I guess by extension, John, you know, John Mark, since you were kind of piggybacking on that, you know, no, it's all Kevin. <laughs> um, and and uh, we got Mike Tenney saying that Rob has the best words uh, in general, it seems. <laughs> it followed up by Tenney also saying, but Kevin has the best words on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that is so true, Kevin. I mean, that idea of like, the the notion even of a, of a non-denominational church is such a misnomer because mm-hmm. essentially a, a non-denominational church is a denomination and it, it properly would be named after whoever that pastor is. Right. Right. Because it, that's the one person making the authoritative decisions. Right. Leading his flock. And now right. he's the Jesus. Or the Pope. The Jesus. The Pope. The Pope. That's much better. Yeah. <laughs> I accidentally did a big Lebowski reference. No, but that, that, that is a, a great, <laughs> great point. And then, you you know, whether you're a, a Protestant in that circumstance or a Catholic, like we can find ourselves having that tendency to like, oh, I know better than mm-hmm. my church leadership. I know. Yeah. And so I think part of the, the question to discuss here, too, is like. Why is this a relevant question? Like, you know, we but, you know we were just talking about family being the principal expression of our faith. Yes, sir? Maybe the families are broken right yeah. now. I think the you big question... Rest, you want. <laughs> <laughs> I vote Rob talks now. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt anyone. This is a synod. All I do is interrupt <laughs> we everybody. We are way past this that, a Democratic Rob. synod, and I vote unilaterally <laughs> that Rob talks next. Thank you. Rob. Thank you, John Mark. Uh, you I know, I think the kind of question we're we're not honing in on is like, you know, we think of the authority of the church and the authority we have as Christians and like, how are those authority, how is that authority the same and how is that authority different? Hmm. You know, what, what do we owe to our hierarchy? Hmm. You know, you know, what deference, listening, disposition, you know, obedience, what does that look like versus the authority that we have? That's a great question. Especially, you know... I think a lot of people find themselves in conflict, and many times I think that conflict can be resolved from listening and discerning uh, mutually. Synodality. Synodality. Oh my gosh! Oh wow. shoot! You know we see Full it. Full circle. But I'm unconvinced. To pit ourselves against, you know, the authority of the church puts us in a very bad position. Right. You know. But. But. Yeah. But and but that doesn't mean we defer our responsibility to discern the truth and just like, you know, simply everything we hear. I don't know. How do you say that? Hmm. We have a, we have a, it's necessary for us to participate in that process. What process? Which process? Well, the process of discerning truths and things like that. And I think that that's the heart of what the synod is about. Uh, Yeah. Applying it or like actually living out the faith. Discerning, applying it. Yeah. You know, of course, you keep. There's a bunch of things to keep in mind here. We do know that that part of the reason that that um, Bishop Thomas even has to address those two extremes is because those two extremes are alive in the church, and it's easy to get sucked into them. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it's easy to get sucked into them is because we're in this weird place in history, unique place in church history, where the the Pope, you know, like I don't know, trips, you know. I don't know, it coughs loudly on an airplane and like it's all over social media suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. We've never been in a place in social in history 
where like the regular people trying to live out their faith are getting like moment to moment coverage of mm-hmm. what's going on in the Vatican. Quite poor coverage, I might add. And it's not yeah. necessary to our like we have the catechism, we have the sacraments, we can live out the Christian life. And so again, the, the church and the hierarchy and the sins. They, I mean, the, there's there's purposes for those, and hopefully we pray for them that they will fulfill their purposes. But it's very easy to kind of like take our eyes off the ball of where we're actually called to uh, to live out the faith. Mm-hmm. It's and like it, getting sucked into the news. Like we're it, just it like, is, what's new yeah. and what's novel right. and what's you know what's something to argue about and that's changing, rather than what's real to me in my direct life and what am I called to do right now. Mm-hmm. It totally. can be a real distraction. And uh, to be like 100% honest, I heard the word synod on synodality, heard no other coverage or anything. And I instantly thought, talk on talking. Um, but the bishop's statement was just so, so good. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, yes, we are talking. Or So he says that uh, the word synod is Greek for meeting. So it's like a meeting on meetings, or maybe this is another document I read. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Not an expert. But um, like a meeting on meetings, but they there was uh, context for synodality, meet like a meeting on meetings, and it's how we meet each other. Um, so it's a meeting on how we meet each other, and we need to talk about how we're walking with each other and, and that type of thing. So... I, th- I feel like the wording probably could have been a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the branding, maybe a little bit better. That picture that comes with it, maybe a little yeah, bit better. Was... We're not specifically talking about, <laughs> you know, this is a launching off point, but just, uh, you know, 100% honesty, like, it's very easy to to hear something and then, you know, our biases click and mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, yeah, I need to fight against those things. Yeah. But, and yeah. it is, and it is, again... We're not perfect people. We're not in a perfect church. Okay, and speak for yourself. And there is, it's entirely possible that there are, as people suspect, there's some bureaucracy here. There's some of this stuff that maybe yeah. isn't great, that that's unnecessary. But again, we have to remain in a place of peace. Mm. Um, and so the, 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 the notion of synodality, I mean, it's kind of, to get meta here for a moment, it's kind of what we're trying to practice on this show. Yeah. Like we don't come, as we said at the beginning, we don't come on the show as experts pretending to be experts or getting on the show to tell you exactly what to believe because I said it. No, no, we're here as just fellow Catholics trying to live out the faith. And what we're trying to practice is synodality. Nice. That we get together, we we hear each other, we try to express the truth as best as we understand it, but we also allow ourselves to, to, uh, to have insight the ways that we didn't see it before. We're practicing you know, the, the art of conversation, the art of accompaniment, the, the art of trying to live the faith together. I still don't like the word synodality, but I agree with everything you just said. So <laughs> you put the sin in synodality there. Oh. I'm just kidding. So, is it, I mean, is it right to have the understanding, though, that the synodality's focus is, is between specifically the clergy and the laity? I don't know. Is that, the, it, is that, that is, true? Every quote that I've read from Pope Francis indicates that. Okay. Okay, so I mean, I mean, there's another great point there too. One thing that Teresa and I have talked often on Elevate Ordinary and just part of our lives is that we often see diocesan priests, for instance, that live very solitary lives. And in this, especially in the weird world we live today, with all the suspicion and the scandals and stuff like that, they're more isolated. Yeah, they're they're more like oh, I'm just going to live my little, like quiet little bachelor life and do my stuff, whatever. And and they don't have you know families inviting them over to dinner. They're not they don't feel comfortable and they're not invited to to stay in touch with the people they're trying to serve. We love the example of John Paul II. 
I mean, he was such a, a man's man. He was such a, a family guy. He would do these trips with these students when he was a, a young priest. He stayed very connected to people. And I think that really re was reflective then in his papacy of how he was able to really speak powerfully uh, the gospel into people's lives in this really real uh, human way. But I think that's if I, that would seem to me to be something that we would want to to talk about and understand. Like, yeah. what is what is that relationship supposed to look like? You know, is the priest supposed to be off, you know, kind of on a mountain and the people are just there? Or like, what what is that relationship between the pastors and their flocks? Something that came to mind as you were saying that was the simplicity of the times versus what we have right now. And, and yeah. that's kind of what you were getting at yeah. in the, at the beginning of that. Yeah. Like, I think about, you know, Poland back in that day, what it would have been to be a pastor of a parish then versus yeah. being a pastor of a parish now here in I America know. in 2021. Right. You're a business manager as much as you are a sacramental priest. Right. And that to me is a problem. Like you're you're an administrator of of a business and you weren't trained to be a CEO or a you know what I mean like right. and so you're you you're oppressed by all this stress, anxiety and so many of the parishes are struggling financially and have all these different pressures. And, and yeah. so there's so many dynamics at play now that the pastors of our parishes are having to juggle, not to mention very rarely having other priests with them serving at that same parish. So not only are they the business administrator, but they're also the only priest often. And in contrast with what I have to imagine would have been the case just from the bits I've read from, uh, for example, the the book that Jason Ever wrote about John Paul II and yep. stuff, the dynamic would have been so different. He was primarily their pastor mm -hmm. and he had the freedom to serve them that way and i think just the simplicity of what life was back then it made such a huge difference yeah yeah and again so that's that's part of this we we have the truths we hold on to the truths but that we still have to actually try to live them out in this day and age and it each age presents new challenges and so we, we can't just do the same old thing in the same way we've always been doing it if it's yeah. not working that's a great so point. we have to apply it to the time yeah. And I think one of the challenges for me, like when I saw this community getting all excited about, oh, we're going to have a bigger voice in the church and we're going to have more authority as lay people, it really struck a nerve for me because one of the things that drew me to Catholicism was the authority of the bishops and priests, mm -hmm. uh, apostolic succession. I mean, that literally is the reason to be Catholic, and then for me, in the context of my journey, it's the reason to believe in God, mm -hmm. um, the apostolic succession. And so the idea that God can, I mean, the fact that we have this incredible lineage uh, from from now all the way to the original apostles of, of ordained bishops through the laying on of hands that we have, like, essentially in paperwork. Um, yes, Rob? <laughs> Just, I mean, not to, not to counter that, but, you know, that also... As baptized Christians, you know, we are drawn into that lineage in a sense. Yes. And there, it, we do have a participation the in, our, of own, all believers. in yeah. our own place in life. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is a conversation because it, it does get a little bit muddy, but there is without question a distinction between what they are and what we are. Yeah. yeah. And none of us are bishops of dioceses. Mm -hmm. Like we can sit, I mean, it's, it's uh, what people do when they watch a football game, you know, they're quarterbacking oh, from yeah. the couch, yeah. you know, <laughs> and we're sitting on the couch and we're trying to call the plays when we're not the bishop of Rome. We're not yeah. the mm -hmm. bishop of our diocese, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, the football team is actually a good analogy. Th thinking of, uh, again, the fact here that some people 
when they, when they see difference or when they see hierarchy, they want to eliminate difference. They want to eliminate hierarchy. Yeah. Rather than recognize, no, like the, like for instance, men and women. Well, men need to be manly men. Women need to be womanly women, feminine women. I don't know. Yeah. They, why not? They need to be fully themselves. Mm-hmm. The point isn't to try to eliminate difference. The point is to try to be fully who you were created to be. Yeah. And so we have different roles in the church. And like again, there's there is a priesthood of all believers. We do have an authority by our baptism to carry out Christ's work in our lives. Mm-hmm. But that's our specific mission. And again, Vatican II re- reminded us all, we're all called to be holy. It's not just the priests. It's not just the monks. It's not just them that are called to be radically sold out for the gospel. No, they are they're called to be radically holy and fully, you know, all in in the gospel in their role. But we are too in ours. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's how the, the life of the church works. And so, Again, we we want need to discuss how that harmony of roles works in yeah. this age, but this, this shouldn't be an excuse for anyone to take the eye off the ball of their own vocation mm-hmm. that they they can fully live out, even if the church is messy, even if even if there are bad bishops, or even if you know, like the, the church is just a messy family, mm-hmm. we can still live out our vocation. Yeah, I think that's huge, absolutely, and and it makes me think about like early in my journey back to faith or, or for the first time faith that meant anything in my life um there were a couple of relationships i had early on uh brotherhood that that made a huge difference and an impression in my understanding of like respecting authority which was super ironic because i came back to the church for the authority once i was in it i found myself getting very frustrated by certain things that i thought weren't being done the way they should be Rob, you were one of the people that early on really challenged me um, to even in frustration about certain things that a certain priest was doing to still respect and um, treat with dignity their priesthood and and their role, their their vocation, and, and find a way to channel and express what I was concerned about that still did not um, contradict the, the dignity with which I should hold them in my own heart and mind. And to this day, there are moments where I'll catch myself and I'll go back in memory to a certain conversation. I still remember where we were sitting, where where you challenged me that way. And I really appreciated that back in that time because it turns out since then, I've had to do a lot of work with a lot of priests and even bishop. And like, you know, that conversation has made such a big impact in the way I interact with them since then. So I appreciate that. Um, but my, my concern, and Kevin, I want to hear what you're about to say, but my, mm-hmm. my concern is how do we in the day-to-day, like, you know, where where there is space to me for this synod on synodality is like, gosh, sometimes they, they don't see the full picture that we might see because of our different vocations. Sometimes mm-hmm. there are things that they're a little bit blind to because all of us are very blind to whatever is not right in front of us, right in our scope mm-hmm. of vision. And so they're... You know, and I and I can say with confidence and love and compassion for our priests and bishops because of the work I've had to do, I can say with confidence though, they do need other perspectives. And so how do we do that in practice? It's a great way to put it. I have the exact yeah. answer. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's got it. Perfect. Everybody you're welcome. Hold on. Vote just, in the comments. What's are you ready? I'm ready for it. I'm just gonna say it. Okay. Star Trek. <laughs> what? <laughs> What does that even mean? All right, wait, wait, okay. Wait. Just think about it, though, for a moment. Just think? <laughs> Star Trek. All right, I'm sorry that I made you think about that. All right, so, like like you're saying, like, our priests, they're going you know, to make, uh, make mistakes, but they're leading us into battle. Like, our priests, our bishop, the pope, they're leading us into battle. Of course they're going to make mistakes, but 
what does Jean-Luc Picard do from the next generation? Come on, guys. Ethan's over there going, amen. What? <laughs> Ethan knows. Ethan's my homie. All right. I so do not know. It, it's, ba- it's, a, it's a huge table, and he listens oh, to all the perspectives, yeah. right? Which is kind of like what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, you know, it makes people think different people have different perspectives. He takes all of that in, and then he has to make a choice. Because you have to make a choice, and it's better to make a choice sometimes. Okay, not always, but it's better to make a choice usually (laughs) than to not make a choice. And, you know, if a choice has to be made, it's better to get the perspectives. You go into battle. And a lot of times when you're in battle, the worst thing you can do is stay idle because then the enemy takes over. So in other words, we should have a synod on synodality. But like John Mark said, there's bureaucracy. There, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. politics no, and all that's, that. That's but that that would be the ideal, of well, course. So what you said, Nick, and then the example you gave are again great ones. I mean, I don't know what, what how we're doing on time here, but we should uh, bring it in for a landing. Well, let's make it real practical then. Again, so mm-hmm. again, what is where is the the virtue of obedience in the life of the Christian? Like, what is what are the do's and don'ts of relating to our the hierarchy of the church, the authority of the church? I mean. Some of the easy, obvious don'ts are like, okay, you know, like I'm a little disgruntled about something in the church. <laughs> Getting on social media and complaining about it doesn't do anyone any good. Don't be like me, guys. It does not no. do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, they just, I've never seen you do they're that. Just, like, if we were to make a don't list, like we just see that everywhere in the church today. The don't list. It's just like all obvious out there. We should be praying for our priests. Yes. We should go be speaking to our, our pastors individually, constructively about our concerns. We should be... Uh, focusing more on our bishop, praying for him, write him a letter, talk to him, look, really listen to his words, his his attempt to guide. Um, I, I think you know a point that you made, Kevin, there, or you were you were kind of making was that totally in any orga- in totally any organization, you know, any group, whether it's the church or, or, or our business or whatever that, or the Star Trek Enterprise, like you 100%. you do need. To, there has to be this dynamic of like the leader needs to lead, yeah, mm-hmm. right. And so like he needs perspective, he needs mm-hmm. some pushback, but ultimately like it, we have to be moving in a direction. And so there there has to be like a right interplay of us, you know, uh, giving the proper honor to the, the the authority of the church, the people in the church, praying for our leaders, and then doing our job damn well. Yeah, you yes. know. Yeah, and but, I mean, and having a real relationship. Mm-hmm. With our with our priests, mm-hmm. the priests we know, you know, I feel like we often like you get the people from the pews who go up and tell the pastor what they think, you know, give them his yeah. like I I work for the church and like I'm I know that happens a whole whole lot, <laughs> but like to be in relationship with our priest and sh- to tell them the truth, your experience, your perspective in love, uh, and you know I think there's a great deal of mutuality that can happen from that from there. Yeah. But not when you don't know them or when you don't care about them. Yeah. You know, That's exactly if you're just right. like, this is a person and I disagree with him on, you know, maybe this, this and this. And that's that's your disposition towards them. And if this is not somebody who I love mm-hmm. and who's a, who is, you know, for better, for worse, a father in my life. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then and then coupled with that, I think humility, like the humility to to really understand that while it's important for you to be honest, you very likely could also be wrong. You mm-hmm. might there might be things you don't know that the pastor knows, that the parish council knows, or whatever. Mm-hmm. There might be considerations that you are incapable of having that would make your opinion completely a moot point. Um, 
they're, they're just the humility that if you want your pastor to be humble enough to f- discover he's wrong about something, you need to be that humble too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's a really important point too. So yeah. um, this has been great. Uh, I was hopeful this, this would be a good topic, and I, I think it, it is. I mean, I'm feeling it, very synodal. You're right feeling now. synodal. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the synergy. I'm feeling synodolical. This, syn, syn, that's, that's pretty delicious. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm if, feeling cynical. If you have enjoyed, the synapses are firing. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. The synodaxes. No, that's too, too far. Too, Anyways. Too, um, too, too. That's too much. Your uh, syntax is a little moving, off there, Nick. Yeah. Moving on. So if you have enjoyed this topic and it has in any way benefited your heart and mind. On this syndicated show. Ooh, syndol. We got no. we, we got um, to go to the next time. Visit themensshow.com and become a patron today. And there's a lot of fun stuff that you get by joining. All I can think of um, are S-Y-N Oh, Gregory words, Wright man. says, we are not the Bible-believing church. Um, okay, maybe just a quick little nice. detour on that one. Uh, Gregory, thank you so much for your comment, number one. Uh, we actually do believe in the Bible. Um, we uh, actually compiled the Bible. We uh, did not. I just well, it wasn't us. Rob, you weren't around. Rob had a hand in it. I was not there. Perhaps, perhaps what Gregory is, is alluding to is that there, there is a conception in some, again, wings of the divided Christianity we're in of, that we are a religion of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, again, of, of a scripture alone, like that the whole life. The I'm a Bible believing American right here. I'll Kev, tell Kevin you what. <laughs> oh, gosh. But that's not that's not, <laughs> that's not the, the structure of the church. The Bible. I talk like this. Sometimes. You know, the, the canon of scripture came out of the life of the church. Yes. The liturgy of the church. It was and a so, council of bishops. And so it is it is a pr- prime premier. It, it's a it's an important source. It's, it's one of the it's one of the legs of the stool there in terms of yeah. you know the the root of our tradition of our faith, but it's also there with you know the the tradition of the church and the authority of the church. It's all that together. So no, we're not merely the religion of the book as some at parts of Christianity would yeah. would look at it, but it's it's an important yeah. The piece. book came forth from the church. Yes, and, yeah. and the church did not come forth from the book. Correct. Yeah. That's a great question, though. I, we yeah. should do like more Q and A. Yeah, stuff. we should. I, yeah. So, we, we viewers, that, listeners, yeah. Greg, thank you so much, Gregory. I don't know if you go by Greg or Gregory. Um, thank you so much for that comment, and keep them coming, everyone. We would love to interact that way. Um, you know, and I'll maybe tie tie that with a bow by saying um, there were centuries, uh, hundreds of years, that the Christian Church that we would come to know as our, the Catholic Church that we have today, um, the Christian Church survived without a New Testament. Uh, there were writings, there were letters, there were gospels, there was a whole lot of stuff, and it was out of a concern for consistency, out of a concern for us to have uh, what? Oh, can, I'll say it after you're done. There, we uh, I'm scared need to now. wrap this episode <laughs> yeah. up, brothers. It was out of a concern uh, for everyone to be looking at the same stuff and for that stuff to be the right stuff that the bishops came together and said, let's put together an official canon that would become the New Testament that we would all get to read uh together at mass it was the bible was really put together for the mass uh and it's a blessing that we each get to have one at home but if that was jesus's primary concern that we would each have a bible and that the bible would be the only source of truth then he would have left us uh both the canon of the new testament and a divine printing press neither of which he left us he left us the church john mark I was just going to say this funny meme that I saw on Facebook. Oh, gosh. <laughs> One of the guys I follow, the Catholic redneck, super funny. Oh, my gosh. All, all he's, he's, he's a great guy. All he says is, Jesus started a church. He didn't start a book club. <laughs> That's all you needed. That's know. actually really funny. Did you did you dress just just so that you were ready yeah, to say that? Are you like channeling him right now? <laughs> 
<laughs> you were like ready for that. He's one. my um, uncle, actually. But Gregory, sorry, you know, I, I definitely don't want to to seem flippant whatsoever because you know uh, your your concern is a very valid one. Uh, but hopefully, somewhere within our our being silly, but also hopefully informative. Hopefully, there was a response there that was helpful. Um, Visit the Coming Home Network. Uh, yeah, for more. absolutely. That's what, a great what idea. What about yeah. the meme? About the, oh, the meme. Well, the meme, the meme <laughs> was the there are two types of Pauline epistles. There's one where my, my brothers and sisters in, in Corinth, you know, God be with you. And and then there's, the, <laughs> would you little weirdos just like not go crazy when I leave for like two seconds? Like those are the two, because uh, that's what many of the books of the New Testament yeah, were. There were absolutely. Paul's letters to different communities <laughs> about what was going on right, in the community. Right. That's what's going to happen with funny. the Synod. They're just like trying to get all of our opinions so they understand all of the bad things we're doing and then St. Paul's going to come down <laughs> right and lay the pistols. hammer down. Exactly. Mm. Alrighty. Well, Sorry, Gregory, Sorry. thank you for that. Okay, so again, uh, show.com if you want to join our patron community and make sure to check out theawakenapp.io um, Alright. There was a wild colonial boy Jack Duggan was his name He was born and raised in Ireland, in a place called Castle, Maine. He was but his father's only son, his mother's pride and joy. We're back on it. And clearly did his parents love the wild colonial boy. Ethan's carrying us in there. Ethan know this? At the early age of 16 years, he left his native home. And to Australia's sunny shore, he was inclined to roam. I lost it. He robbed the rich, he helped the poor, he shot James McAvoy. A terror to Australia was the wild colour. 